Good to see each of you here. You're at an important part in your congregation when you choose another brother to take part in the leadership role here at the church. It's always good to see the work of the church go on. As I think about the subject this evening, God equips who he calls. You know, I had to think of a verse in Hebrews 13, verse 21, and I read, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And when I think of that verse, make you perfect in every good work to do his will. You know, as each of you here this evening look at yourselves and you think of the office before you, especially you brethren, you know, you might think of a dozen reasons why you don't qualify. And, you know, as we look to um, give a name as God has laid on our heart, as you've been praying and so on, you know, you won't find a perfect man. We all know that. But there are some maybe more gifted in areas of leadership or serving or uh, diligence in the office of a deacon. And I find it interesting when we look in the scripture and we see when God called uh, men into his work, he didn't call all the popular ones. I was reading where different ones we relate to a little differently. Did you know Jacob, who was Israel, called Israel later, was a cheater. Peter had a temper and denied Christ. David had an affair. He tried to cover it up with murder. Noah got drunk. Elisha was suicidal. Jonah ran from God. Paul was a murderer, and he was way too religious. Timothy had too many ulcers. Gideon was insecure. Miriam was a gossiper. Martha was a worrier. Thomas was a doubter. Sarah was impatient. Elijah was moody. Rahab was a prostitute. Samson, he liked prostitutes. John the Baptist, oh, Moses couldn't speak in front of others. John the Baptist ate bugs. Abraham was old. Lazarus was dead. And, you know, you think about it. God doesn't call the qualified. He takes the men that he takes, and he gives them gifts, and he gives them much grace, and he works with them if they're willing to follow him. You know, God is looking for obedient men, faithful men for his ministry. You know, brothers and sisters, we should never say to ourselves that God can never use me because I'm not qualified. You know, God is not looking for those who are qualified, but brothers and sisters, I believe he's looking for people who would just avail themselves to him. Just make themselves available. Be willing. Like Isaiah said, hear my Lord, send me. Or Samuel who said, speak Lord, for thy servant teareth. You know, hear am I. I'm really ready to go. And we're ready to do your will. You know, when Jesus called the 12, most of them were not even educated, yet Jesus equipped them, and they turned the world upside down because they were willing to follow the Lord. 
You know, when Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he told them in 1 Corinthians 1, 26 and 27, he said, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were par uh, powerful and not many were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise and God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong and God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are. Those who God calls, he equips. And God will always equip us to carry out his will. I don't believe he calls us without equipping us. And when God gives us a vision or a call to ministry, we often wonder how it can be accomplished when we don't have what's necessary to get started. But God is asking for obedience. He's asking for faith. He's asking that we take small steps in trusting in him and giving ourselves totally to him. You know, we see God giving Paul much grace in the time of need. We need to use our gifts for God. You know, when God gives you a gift, whether it's one talent, three talents, or five talents, are we going to go bury it in the ground, or are we going to give of our gifts to him? You know, reading, I remember reading the news just not too long ago about a man named Theodore Geisel. You remember him? Uh, you probably don't remember him too well because he was one that wrote some books or he tried to write some books. And he tried, I think, 27 times before they were finally accepted. And then the world remembered who they were. And they're quite popular today. But if you would write in the same way that he wrote, you would say it this way. One day God said, this is what I will do. I'll give my children spiritual gifts, and of course this includes you. These gifts will come in shapes and sizes. They'll give the world some amazing surprises. You can use them here or there. You can use them anywhere. You can use them in a church. You can use them with a guy named Lurch. So what gift did God give you? Don't know? Then I'll tell you what to do. Go ask a preacher or any trusted preacher. Ask them to help you find your fantastic feature. What a fantastic gift. Let me name a few. Then you'll see firsthand what you can do. Because when it comes to gifts, there is no doubt. They'll give you lots to shout about. Some of you can teach the word with boldness and the power of powers. People will come from miles around to hear you preach for hours. Then there are folks who love to serve. I like your deacons, to help, to heal, to hope, and more. They love to help those in need. Lending a hand is what they live for. Maybe you're the one with the gift of mercy. You might even feel bad for a guy named Percy. You feed the hungry and help those in need, widows and orphans. You assist them indeed. But wait, there's more. Spiritual gifts are knocking on your door, giving and sharing your faith in God. There's more to life than iTunes and iPods. You know, it didn't always rhyme, but, you know, he had a message. But, you know, that message got out and it made its impact in the world. But what kind of message are you and I giving for God today? You know, God is going to call a man to ministry in the office of deacon this evening, but he has called us all to the office of getting the word out and living our lives for him and letting our spiritual gifts shine in him. And so, brethren and sisters, he called us all to a life of ministry. And he equips us all 
for that ministry. You know, we read in the scripture in John 15, verse 16, I have not chosen you. you what does he say? I have not chosen you. No, that's not right. Let me get, it's going to come again. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should re- remain. And so do you just keep in mind, every one of us here, whether we're male or female, young or old, God has chosen us and ordained us that we should go and bring forth fruit and that our fruit should remain. So God has called us all to ministry. Don't ever forget that. But we're looking tonight for the office of deacon to fill the need to minister among the church here and to work with the ministry team. And so when I think about who God calls and and chooses for ministry, we can look at the 12 disciples. They weren't earth shakers. They weren't out there to, you know, change the world. They were fishermen. Ordinary fishermen, a tax collector, a doctor. You know, they had different occupations. But they were of a common sort. And yet Jesus could use them. And they changed the world. If you want to flip in your Bibles over to 1 Corinthians 1, and I'd like to just read a portion of scripture there. But you know, when we think about who God uses, God uses ordinary people, and he gives us the gifts to, to, to move forward. You know, we see in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Verse 20, where is the wise, where is the scribe, where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, and many mighty Not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And so, you know, as we look in this portion of scripture, we see how Paul is giving thanks to God for his grace that's given to us in Jesus Christ in the forepart of the chapter. And then he goes down in verses 10 to 17 and talks about the divisions in the church. And then he says in verses 18 to 25, and he speaks here in this portion of scripture that we read about the human wisdom and preaching of the cross are opposites you know he says that the message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing but to us who are being saved it's the power of christ and paul said we preach christ crucified 
unto the Jews a stumbling block. You know, the Jews were expecting Christ to come in a conquering ruler and to destroy the Romans and to set men free and be a conquering king. They didn't understand how he was coming and how he was crucified and so on. But, you know, he also, we see where it was preached to the Greeks, it was foolishness. The Gentiles could see no reason for salvation by a crucified male factor of Judah. And, you know, as we look at that, God's choice for Christian followers. We see in verse 26, and I read out of the New International Version, Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and, and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. And you know, we'd like to look at this portion of scripture, verses 26 to the end of the chapter, as a portion where we could dwell on this evening as we look at how God equips us who are called into ministry, into the life of the church, into every one of us here this evening. Yes, God has called us all to a life of ministry, to some behind a pulpit, to some in leadership positions in the church, but to the rest of us, to minister to the saints amongst us, to the stranger by the wayside or the neighbor across the fence or whoever. God is calling us all to a life of ministry. You know, the church is built by many different gifts. It's only by us working together, using our gifts, complementing each other, that we will be united, united and promote the kingdom of God. As our brother read this evening, I therefore the presence of the Lord beseech you that ye walk worthy of that vocation wherewith ye are called with all lowliness and meekness and so on. You know, God is asking us that we walk worthy where he called us. He has called us all to a ministry of serving, of living, of letting our light shine for him. You know, brothers and sisters, as you read in Matthew, it says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. And so we all have a challenge to let our light shine for Jesus. It's not to hide it under a bushel basket, but it's to put it on a candlestick that it gives light to the whole room. And he wants us to let our light shine so it glorifies not Randall, not any of us here, but glorifies the Father. Glorifies the Father. That's why God has given you the ability to share your gifts with others. So it glorifies him. You know, God has chosen each of us to bear fruit for him. You know, Jesus said in John 15, verse 16, and I said that, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. God has chosen us to bear fruit for him. You know, Jesus said the fields are white, they're ready for harvest, and he's telling us that we need to make sure we don't take the back seat in the church, but we take the seat that is ours, you might say, where we normally sit, but we are active in the church. We are there to lift the church up, and we'll talk more about that, a responsibility of the congregation on Sunday morning. You know, brothers and sisters, every one of us has an active part in the church tonight. 
you are used to call another brother to Christian ministry, what name God has laid on your heart, which you will be giving later this evening. Yes, there's a need for every one of you. We are here to lift one another up, to encourage one another onward, as it says in Hebrews, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. That means to encourage one another and lift one another up and so much more as we see the day approaching. Yes, God equips those who he calls, but he has called us all to a life of ministry. He has called others for more ministry in the church as we see this evening. You know, we can look in the scripture. God has given us so many different kinds of gifts. If you look in your Bibles to Romans 12, and we don't have to go there if you don't want to, but I'll just mention some gifts that are there. Having gifts differing according to the grace given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy, or to the proportion of our faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, or he that... uh, let him do it with simplicity. Him that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. And he that ruleth with diligence. And he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. All those gifts, are they one of yours? Or we see also in uh, Corinthians, he talks about the gift, the spirit, the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge. To another, faith. Another, the gifts of healing, the working of miracles another discerning of spirits, and other different kinds of tongues. You know, all of these are gifts of the Spirit. God has blessed them and separated them and given to all of us, some of us liberally, some of us one. But whatever it is, well, let's use the gift. Let's not go bury it in the earth, but let's use it to bring others to Jesus Christ. You know, brothers and sisters, as you think about your gift, are we using it for the glory of God? Our brother read this evening in Ephesians 4, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some pastors and and some evangelists and some teachers. And why did he give those gifts to the church? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. It's to build the church up. It's so that we can build one another up. So we can lift up holy hands and we can lift up the hands of those who are sharing the load. We can stand behind them. We can pray for them. We can literally stand and hold their hands up if that's what's necessary. You know, brothers and sisters, God has used the small, the weak, and the despised. He hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught the things that are. I remember one time when I was home on the farm, Sharon and I were there, and and Brother Dave Bontrager, if some of you may remember him, Jesus to the Iron Curtain, Dave was bishop at Fairhaven Church, came over to give us a church letter from one of their members who was transferring to our congregation, and he sat in our kitchen and he talked with us at length. And he just said, Randall, we need to be big zeros for Christ. And I didn't really register maybe exactly what he meant by all that, but time went on. You know, it means that we are to be nothing so that Christ can be everything. And you know, I never forgot that. He said, Randall, we need to be zeros for Christ. 
You know, God wants to be exalted. He needs the glory. It's not us to get it. We're his servants. We are here to be used by him. He can speak through us so that others may hear his words. And God's word is convicting. It's illuminating. It brings conviction in the heart. When God's word goes out, it does not return to him void. And so we need to hide behind the cross and be God's mouthpiece and get the word out to others. And you know what, brothers and sisters, it's all of us together working together for the glory of God. Yes, God equips us all. You know, the scripture says that we need to make sure that we are a zero for him because if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. And, you know, we also see in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. And so, you know, as you can look down through the scripture, we can see where God has used those things that were despised and things that were weak and different people and God used them in a mighty way. Remember David when he had those five smooth stones, that shepherd boy that picked them out of the creek and God used them to bring down a giant and turn the tide of war for the Israelites to victory. And we can see that was the beginning of David's greatness. And then we can see the little maid in Second Kings who waited on Naaman's wife when she heard that she was a slave girl and she heard that her master had leprosy and she said there's one in Israel who can heal him I know that and you know the story how he went and he was healed of his leprosy and so on because the faith of a little maid and you know there was also the widow of Zarephath who had a handful of meal and a little bit of oil and God used that little bit to bring victory and then she was saved from famine for the next three years as long as the famine lasted and, you know, when you think about all those small things, you know, Jesus said the least of all the seeds is a mustard seed. And that is if his disciples had that much faith as a grain of mustard seed, they could say for to this mountain, move hence and go into the sea and it would be gone. Brethren and sisters, God has given us so much grace and his mercy and his wisdom. And we can lean on his Holy Spirit and have his Holy Spirit being filled within us and we can have the gifts of the, the fruits of the spirit within us and you know we can walk around in the power of God and we can do great things for God if we're willing to be used by him yes we might feel small and insignificant but then God can use us and God will use us for great things you know when men have big things they do not see the need for God but if only a small thing is available, men will glorify God when they see him multiply it behind, beyond any human thought. And you can think about that. You know how miracles happen in our lives and we thank God for them. You know, all of us are weak. Jesus said, without me, he can do nothing. And God wants us to bear fruit for him. And it's possible. You know, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. All things through Christ who strengtheneth me. You know, I can think my own journey in, in ministry. And I think back through my school years, I wasn't any leader by any means. I was always the tail end. I was the littlest one in the class. I was, seemed like I was always behind. And you know, my goal, dream sometime was to have an office or be a 
vice president of the class or something, but that never happened. And so, you know, time came for ordination. Well, I didn't feel like I was minister material. I was an usher. I enjoyed serving through ushering. But God had other things in mind. And he called through the voice of the church through the lot. And you know, when I think about that first day that I was ordained and then when I was ordained bishop, I think of the requirements of a bishop. A bishop must be self-controlled, must be hospitable. You read all those in Titus. You know, it says a man that desireth the office of a bishop desireth a good work, and I struggled over that one a long time because of the weight that goes with it, the responsibility. And you know, as you look at the church and how long the church has been here, and so if God calls us in the ministry of the church, we want to be faithful that the next generation can keep on going and letting the light shine of Jesus, that the community can see the love of Jesus within the church and that others might be brought to him. You know, God uses those that are weak and he can strengthen them and give them much strength and much courage. You know, man is too weak to plan his own way. We see in Jeremiah, and Jeremiah says, I know, O Lord, that a man's life is not his own. It is not for man to direct his steps. Proverbs says, in his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. You know, we read also in Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. God wants us to lean on him. You know, man cannot think wisely by himself. We read in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 5, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Yes, we feel weak at times, but God is there to lift us up, to give us his grace, to give us his mercy. His faithfulness is new every morning. His peace passeth, you know, he gives us peace that is unlimited. Peace I give to thee, not as the world giveth. And then he gives us a yoke that's easy and a burden that's light, as we see in Matthew 11. You know, brothers and sisters, God has so many gifts he wants to give to his children. But we need to go to him. We need to look to him. We need to go to him for strength. Why does God choose to work through the weak things of the world? That Because that his name might be glorified because he delights in promising, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And he delights in those who resp respond as Paul did. He said, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You know, God also works through the despised. The saints are the despised one in this world, brothers and sisters. And as we see time going on, we see that more and more in the greater world, who is where the world people of the world are despising Christians, as we've seen during this COVID pandemic, when churches were closed and people were fined because they tried to have church. You know, Paul speaks of the apostles' humility and suffering. He says in 1 Corinthians 4, in verse 13, it says, When we were slandered, we answered kindly. Up to this moment, we have become the scum of the earth, the refuse of the world. 
You know, Jesus himself was despised and rejected. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we see where the Pharisees despised the publican who prayed near him in the temple. And you know, God sent the publican home with blessings that the Pharisee knew nothing about. You know, brothers and sisters, how can God use the despised? I believe he gives us special blessings for those who are despised because they love him and they trust in him. You know, we read where David said in Psalm 119, verse 14, I am, though I am lowly and despised, I do not forget your precepts. You know, brothers and sisters, God can use all those who obey him and follow his word. You know, God specializes in, in doing what man cannot do because his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are thoughts. You know, brothers and sisters, Indeed, we have a great God who looks out for his children, who gives us the grace to overcome. He gives us the words to speak when we don't know what to speak. You know, he wants us to keep our faith and our trust in him. You know, in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 27, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught the things that are. You know, brothers and sisters, the secret is not who we are or what we are, but I believe it's in our dedication to Jesus Christ. Trusting in him, thinking through that, we are for God's use. We are for his purpose. You know, that's the secret. It's not whether we've been given... Ten talents, or five talents, or one talent. But whether we are willing to release that talent into the kingdom of God. God wants us to use what we have for his glory. He wants us to trust him for each step of the way. You know, God is asking only for us as he has created us. You know, he decides who we are, what we are, what abilities, attitudes, or gifts we have. You know, we need to decide what we're going to be willing to give and what we are going to give back to him. You know, I really appreciate that scripture we find in James where it says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not, but let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering, for he is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. If any man lack wisdom, I bet if we'd have a raise of hands that asking anyone here that if they have enough wisdom, you would all raise your hands, I doubt. You know, I like that verse because it says, if any man lack wisdom, and I like to make that a daily prayer of mine, Lord, bless me with wisdom beyond my years and experience so that I can lead my family. And I can lead my church, it's not my church, Lord, but it's your church, so that I can lead the church, so that I can do well in my job, so I can take care of those things you've entrusted to me. And you know, we can thank the Lord for the wisdom he's given us, but if any man lacks, let him ask. God wants to give. You know, God equips those who he calls. He's called us all. He's equipped us all. And if you think about all the blessings we have in Christ, we have a spiritual armor, we have the breastplate, 
of faith. We have or the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, a belt of truth, a helmet of salvation, our, our shoes of peace. We have the sword of the spirit. We have the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. When we have the Holy Spirit within our life. And so we have those fruits, we have the armor, we have the promises in scripture, never will I leave thee, never will I forsake thee. You know, the scripture says, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. And they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You know, there's a lot of promises in scripture. God wants us to take them by faith and apply them to our lives. You know, brothers and sisters, whether we're willing to say, here's my little Lord, cast it down, break it up, throw it out as you see fit. Only then, I believe, we can be of some use to the master. Only then will we find fulfillment and contentment in him. I believe only then can we find freedom in Christ. You know, when you think about what little you may have, remember this little poem. Shamgar had an ox goad. Go David had a sling. Samson had a jawbone. Rahab had a string. Mary had some ointment, Aaron had a rod, Dorcas had a needle, but all were used by God. Very small things in some ways. You know, what has God given you? Are you willing to use your talents, your abilities for the glory of God? I trust that you are. And so who God lays this responsibility on for the office of deacon? might feel insecure, unsure, but you know what? Remember what God told Moses. Who made the tongue? I did. I will help you. He'll be there to stand with us. And then let's look at the promises in Scripture. They're there to lift us up, to encourage us as we face new challenges, new opportunities that God has given us. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you, Father, for the many blessings of life. And we thank you, Father, for the congregation here at Salem and for their leadership team. Lord, we pray your blessing as we go through the um, giving of the names in, and, uh, in the ballots, Father. Of a name you have maybe laid on each heart, Father. I just pray that they would share the name with wisdom. I pray, Father, you'd prepare the brother or brothers who will be in the... Uh, given in the lot father or in maybe by a unanimous voice father we don't know how you will work but father we are open to your leading so father we just pray that you would speak to each heart here tonight not only for those father who they may think of giving a name but father also reminding them as themselves that you have called us all to a life of ministry Help us to be faithful where you have called us. Father, I just pray that your will would be done this evening as we go through the rest of the service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.